In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so getting right to it, the parable of the ten bridesmaids is about who has prepared to party and who hasn't. All right, and so this is going to be a difficult message for those of you who, like me, are introverts. I have no desire ever to really go to a party. Or if I go to a party, I would be the one hanging out in the corner. Certainly not the life of the party. Uh, So for those of you who are introverts, I sympathize with you. But this parable is not going to make any concession for those of us who are introverts. This parable is going to be about preparing to party. So as we look at the parable, historians don't know a whole lot about weddings in the ancient world. But what we do know is that wedding parties were serious business. In fact, they were a much, much bigger deal even then than they are today. And so what historians have pieced together from the information we have is that in the ancient world, a couple would get engaged, and then for a predetermined period of time, the bride-to-be would remain at her father's house under his close supervision so she doesn't get into any trouble. And then on the wedding day, the groom would make a ceremonial procession to the bride's house. As he followed his parade route for the procession, members of the wedding party would join him along the way. And then he would enter into the house with them where the wedding ceremony would be performed. And following the ceremony, there, of course, was a party. And you can see how even in our own tradition, some of how we have weddings It's informed by how weddings happened in the ancient world. But in the ancient world, these wedding parties were not just cookies and punch in the church fellowship hall kind of parties. These parties were all-night affairs. In fact, we know some of these parties lasted as long as seven days. They were serious business. Take, for example, even the story in the Gospel of John that tells us of the wedding at Cana. Jesus and his disciples, along with Jesus' mother, are at the wedding party, and the party runs out of wine. And Mary doesn't want the host to be disgraced, so she asks Jesus to problem solve and to get some wine for them. And so Jesus turns 120 gallons of water into wine. It's about 600 bottles of wine. That's the scale of partying that we're talking about. I was talking to someone recently who attended a traditional wedding in Mexico. They said the wedding reception began early in the evening. And then at around 2 a.m., the waiters came around and they began to hand out coffee and espresso shots because they wanted everyone to be plenty caffeinated to keep the party going all night long. You couldn't go home. You had to party. And indeed, the person said that the party was still going strong at 6 a.m. the following morning until eventually the waiters had to politely ask some of the guests to leave. But this is the background that will help us understand the parable. Because we have to understand that the wedding party in the ancient world is no joke. So in the parable, the foolish bridesmaids did not bring enough oil for their lamps. And the point here is not so much that the bridesmaids made a poor calculation. It isn't like you are just pushing your car close to empty because you'd rather get home and not stop at the gas station or something like that. Instead, this is more about what they were saying about the wedding party. 
The foolish bridesmaids either did not expect the party to go past midnight, or they did not expect to stay that long for the party. Either way, they imagined they would be heading home at midnight. They did not anticipate staying through the night for the party. They sympathized. If I were the bridesmaids, I too would be trying to head out and get to bed before midnight. I would, like them, not bring oil for my lamp. But we see in the parable that when the groom is delayed on his parade route, he doesn't even get started until midnight. And so the foolish bridesmaids are left scrambling to get enough oil just to make it to the ceremony and through the actual ritual. And so they thought they would be headed home by midnight, not that the wedding would just be getting started at midnight. And so in their initial preparation, what we see is that they did not intend to stay out all night and party. If they had intended to stay and party all night, they would have brought more oil. They would have been prepared. We see the same dynamic in some of Jesus' other parables. The ones who are left out are the ones who don't want to party, the ones who don't want to be part of the celebration. Take, for example, Jesus' most famous parable of the prodigal son. Right When the prodigal returns home, the father throws him a tremendous party. And that parable ends with the older son refusing to join the celebration. He wants no part of the party which he believes is a disgrace. Jesus tells another parable, which we heard just a few weeks ago, about the king's wedding feast. The king hosted a feast for his son's wedding and sent out invitations all over the place, and no one would come. And then when one of the men who did come didn't have the proper wedding garment, the king threw him out into the darkness. The problem was that that man did not come prepared to party. He didn't come to celebrate. He wore his work clothes instead of his party clothes. And so he did not respect the situation. He didn't appreciate that he was supposed to be there to party. And so this will get us to the heart of it. Because what Jesus is showing us is that his kingdom is a party. It's a celebration. The good news of the gospel is always a celebration. And of course, how can it be any other way? When the gospel is preached and when hearts believe it, when sins are forgiven, when troubled consciences are consoled, when the dead are given life, it's a cause for celebration. And so the good news of the gospel is always a party. The Bible says the kingdom is a wedding feast. It's a victory feast. It's the celebration of all celebrations. There is no other good news as good as the news that because of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And so when Christ comes again on the last day, as our readings take us to, we know that Christ will come to bring us to the complete enjoyment of the wedding feast. Christ is coming again with us in celebration of the life that he has won for us through his death and resurrection. However, we note in this parable and in other readings, we note that Christ will also come again as judge, to judge the living and the dead as we confess. And even our parable this morning ends with a note of judgment. There is judgment for those whose hearts are unprepared for the party. To be unprepared at the coming of Christ is to have a heart that doesn't want to celebrate, to have a heart that does not want to party. 
to be unprepared for the coming of Christ on the last day is not to see the good news of the gospel. But if you believe that you don't need forgiveness, then you're not prepared. Because for you, the party is meaningless. If you believe that you're not a sinner, if you believe that you're simply a good person who will make it on your own, then you're not truly prepared to celebrate. If you believe that only those who can pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and live a holy life are worthy of a feast, then you're not prepared. And you're not prepared because you don't know what the celebration is all about. Because the party is for those who know they are in trouble without Christ. The party is for those who know that they cannot fix themselves. The party is for sinners who have been redeemed by Christ. The party is for those who know they are broken. The party is for those who need the healing word of Christ's gospel. And so when we reject the party, we approach God's gifts with disdain instead of joy. And that's the attitude of the foolish bridesmaids in the parable. They brought just enough oil to get through the wedding, to meet their obligation, to make an appearance at the party, and then leave. They wanted no part of the true joy of the moment. And so at the end of the parable, when the door is shut and they're not let in, the groom is simply giving them what their hearts really wanted to begin with. They never wanted to be there, so in the end, they were left out. And this parable is that sometimes is preached is not about doing more to prepare for the return of Christ. Rather, it's about staying awake and being ready now by receiving Christ right now with joy. That's how we prepare for the return of Christ on the last day. It's not about living lives trying to do more and more to impress him. It's not about being morally perfect and never sinning. Instead, it's about receiving the good news of the gospel with joy in this very moment. When we come to worship on Sunday morning, our preparation is about hearing the words of forgiveness and saying, thank God that is for me. It's about gladly hearing the word proclaimed and being more and more captivated by it. It's about receiving the sacrament and knowing that this is the foretaste of the feast to come. That's how we prepare our hearts for the return of Christ. It's not about doing more, it's not about being morally and morally more perfect as we go along. It's about daily receiving his grace and trusting in his promises. And so this is what we confess, that Christ's appearance on the last day is good news for us. It's good news for those who love him. I grew up with, and I know some of you did too, thinking about the last day as a terrible, scary day. It was always portrayed as frightening and uncertain, perhaps violent, tumultuous. Right? We got images from books like the Left Behind series, where there's all this geopolitical war and frightening images of what is to come. But let's get all of that out of our heads. Because for those who love the Lord, the last day is a great day. It's the first day of a great party. In fact, in our reading from Thessalonians, St. Paul says that these words are meant to be used to encourage one another. He says, when the archangel gives his shout that the bridegroom is here, it'll be a time to celebrate because all of the saints will be gathered together again in the presence of Christ. That shout is going to bring you and everyone you love out of the grave. 
It's going to place you at a seat at the table of the great feast. It's going to give you a place at the party. And so it will be a day of great joy for those who love Christ. And so today, we prepare our hearts by joyfully receiving God's gifts now. Joyfully hear the good news and believe it. Joyfully receive the forgiveness of sins. Believe in God's love for you today. Anticipate that party that is to come. Have faith in what God promised to you, and you will be prepared to party. Amen.